Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A-U-N. American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to protect guys. their own dependency relationship of childhood. And tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible. So the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar? The public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Boy, there's always a first on this show, a uh, first of, of, of uh, ideas, things that are shared, stories, whatever. And I got to say, I've never, ever heard someone step on our intro like Carl DeVries just did. <laughs> no, I, sorry. No, Carl, you're going to pay for this. <laughs> you're totally forgiven. Don't worry about it. I, you know, uh, we're going to have to, here's, here's, my, here's my penalty. I'm going to propose that we have Carl memorize the introduction and, and try to cold, uh, through cold memorization, do the introduction one night, okay? <laughs> no, I can do that. I can do that. Okay, okay. I think your voice would be suitable. Thank you, uh, Carl, for inviting Bob back on the show uh, this week. Uh, it's all going to be Dr. Bob Bellamide. Uh, changing the law through conscious objection was the topic of the last week's show. It was a well-done show. But behind that show is the research and the documentation 
and the story and the animus and energy behind supporting the cause uh, for a natural, healthy lifestyle, the use of healthy herbs, natural remedies, and all of the allopathic things and and holistic things that uh, health is all about, to be knowledgeable, to be aware. And we're really, really honored to have Dr. Bob Melamede to come on. Uh, uh, Bob, uh, I know you're on for pre-show, but uh, just going to walk through some of your bio here. You're a former chairperson at the University of Colorado Boulder. Also, Colorado. No, Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs. Oh, Colorado Springs. Okay. And Colorado State University Biology Department. You taught for many years the world's only course on the endocannabinoid system, medical marijuana, as well as courses in aging, immunology, and and DNA repair. Uh, You are a self proclaimed old hippie and proud of it. And thank you for for coming back this week. And uh, you've got the floor for the whole hour. And uh, Carl is on with us, so I thought we'd kind of go into the background, Dr. Love. How did you and Carl uh, stumble upon each other? Well, Carl contacted me to be a witness at a trial. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. And the trial... Yeah, I've been been following the doctor's work for quite some time. Uh, uh, The course of the last two or three years... it's been really enlightening to see how the endocannabinoid system is a part of everyone's life. And anyone who has denial about that, it's, it's a part of their biochemistry, and they, have, they can't deny that. That's the basic yeah. truth. The implications, though, are much more profound than we yes. realize. And, and that's what I'd like to talk about, you know. Uh, starting with the fundamental concept, really, what is life? I mean, if we want to talk about health, yeah, we have to understand what life is in order to have an intelligent discussion about health. What is health? So, you know, d- d- so, Dr. Bob, we kind of st- started talking last week. A lot of it was about the flow of energy in the form of truth, the flow of energy in the form of, of uh, just a connectedness in our mental state, our physical state. The unification of both and, 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 and connecting with each other. That's what we try to do on this call every week. It sounds like your research is about restoring or activating that natural flow of that source energy that's natural, that's holistic, and that keeps us healthy and alive. Well, it's, it's really about how flowing energy has a natural creative capacity that manifests itself as life and evolution. It's what people call God, but yeah. we don't have to put it into a religious context. There's an sure. underlying scientific physical reality that happens to be flowing energy is creative in its nature when it interacts with matter. And there was a form of physics that was developed by Nobel laureate Ilya Prigogine. He got the Nobel Prize in 1977. And he created this new field of physics called far from equilibrium thermodynamics. It's got a big, ugly oh. sound to it, but it's actually very simple. It's about flowing energy. The thermo is heat energy. Dynamics means flow. So he would, the conventional way of looking at physics is basically what's called equilibrium physics. It's physics where it takes forever to do nothing because then they can make some clean math. And it was this, it was a wonderful starting point, and it gave a lot of uh, mechanical kinds of insights. But what it couldn't do 
was explain what life is. And in fact, from a probabilistic point of view, from an equilibrium thermodynamic perspective, life is too improbable to exist. And yet we're here talking about it. So to me, that says something's wrong with that way of looking at it. And see, I got my degree back in a long time ago. I started college before we really understood the basic principles of molecular biology, you know, that we have DNA and it makes RNA and the RNA is like a little transcript of a piece of the record, which is in the DNA that can then be used to create things within the cell in some coordinated fashion. But we didn't know how any of that happened at all. And we, we came up with some very logical and uh, very clean looking stories regarding that progression. However, unfortunately, the world that that was all embedded in, the perspective more actively that that was embedded in, came out of conventional physics. Again, that says life is impossible. So the way that all developed, uh, we were left with the thought that uh, life could only happen by an accumulation of very improbable accidents. And that miraculously over time, that turned into us. And I was trained as a conventional, normal standard scientist, like the bulk of everyone else out there. Um, but what I was reading was not able to explain what I wanted to know. How did, what was the basis of life? You see, molecular biology tells you that we have DNA, RNA, and proteins, and that that forms this common denominator for all living things. So that was really cool, you know, when the genetic code was discovered back in the 60s there, uh, you could now have these relationships. You could understand how DNA, the information in DNA could be uh, transcribed, a piece of it, into this RNA, and how that RNA could be translated into another language, the language of proteins, the sequence of amino acids that we all consume, you know, and the proteins we eat and uh, certain amino acids we can't make. We have to get them or we can't make the proteins that use them. So that, that was the standard view and the standard model. And I, what I'd like to do is kind of show some fundamental reasons as to how fundamentally absurd that is, really, in terms of accumulating mutations to create life. So first of all, if we looked at the DNA molecule, and most people are familiar, it's the double helix, and it's actually extremely large. It's what constitutes what we call a macromolecule, a large molecule, like RNA, DNA, and proteins are all macromolecules. But DNA is truly tremendous in size in that if you took the DNA from one of your cells and stretched it out, you'd have about six feet of DNA. From one cell, that's too small for you to even see. So as you might logically conclude the DNA is long and thin and it has to get wrapped up in order to fit in the cell. Well, things get really crazy when you think that we happen to have about something like that, over 15 trillion cells. And if you took all the DNA out of those cells and stretched it end on end, it would go from here to the sun and back a few hundred times. This is, these, these are mind-blowing numbers when you really sit down and think about it, that, you know, that we have that much DNA in us, and that's what 
you know, creating such a profound Wait, effect. Dr. Bob, the physical, length of our, the physical length of our DNA strands, if you line them all up together, would go to and from the sun several a times? A few hundred times, yes. Oh, my God. That's Isn't that what the sun is as far away as they say. It is, but now we'll, we can look at some other craziness here. So, you know, if you wanted to form something simple by throwing the die, you can, you know, you can get something simple. But the DNA is very, very complicated. So the more complicated something is, the less likely it is to randomly form. And yet DNA is one of the most successful molecules. It's probably the most successful molecule on the planet and probably in the universe. It is estimated that on the planet Earth, there are 50 billion tons of DNA. This is crazy stuff, right? <laughs> Molecules working each other out. <laughs> right? So, pardon me? So, Keep going. So now, Keep going. To, to continue with craziness, all right? Within the standard view that a mutation you know, is randomly occurring by, you know, free radicals, by sunlight, by poisonous chemicals, et cetera, right? That, that these lead to evolution, that these also lead to cancer in this very random, non-directed fashion, all right? So what one of the other crazinesses is that it's well acknowledged that a single mutation, a single change in the sequence of the DNA in a critical gene, like a gene that turns on cell division, for example, can lead to cancer. So we have a lot of protective mechanisms to keep our DNA from getting changed. And these include the antioxidants within our cell because of free radicals that we naturally produce as we burn off fuel which typically is carbohydrates and fat. Those are the normal fuels that we use. So anyway, the thought that one molecule, one change, one single chemical reaction could change the sequence in a gene that controls cell division, that if it wasn't quenched by the free radicals, if it wasn't repaired by your DNA repair systems, we have, we have enzymes that find damages, chop them out and fix them in order to maintain genetic integrity, okay? So if that hadn't been successful with this one critical damage that we're, we're hypothesizing occurred, then you develop a cancerous cell, and then the next thing is your immune system hopefully will somehow see it and get rid of that cancerous cell. But as we know, you know, cancer is increasing all the time. We know that the uh, success rates of the various treatments that bring you to the edge of death, and then, you know, if you're lucky, you'll survive a little longer after the torture. Um, how it, Does that all make sense? Well, what I want to describe now is something that, that is totally insane. So here we just described how one molecule, one single chemical reaction happening one time could turn into a cancer that kills a person. So we have amplification within the flow that constitutes life, amplification of a damage, okay? It's like, you know, friction in your car. If you have no oil, eventually you're going to have a problem, <laughs> and it could be anywhere. <laughs> so anyway, where I'm going with this is that since we have 15 trillion cells and one damage could kill you, 
The insanity is that every single day in every single one of those 15 trillion cells, we accumulate 30,000 of the damages where one in one cell one time could kill us. How are we here? You know, it's ridiculous, right? So what I realize is that we must spend a lot of our energy making sure we don't kill ourselves on a cellular level as well as an organismic level. And it turns out that, you know, our metabolism generates free radicals. And free radicals are basically the same thing that occurs when radiation hits us. Uh, it splits water and it makes free radicals. Well, we do a similar thing in how we metabolize the fuel. Instead of burning gasoline, we burn hydrocarbons in the form of either carbohydrates or fats. And on, if we're starving, we'll burn protein as well. But usually you don't do that because you want to maintain your muscle mass. And, and there are sources that are designed to function. So this is where we want to look at some very fascinating, interesting things. You know, doctors are not really educated in nutrition. You know, they get a lecture maybe Amen. On, on nutrition. Well, it turns out that fats and sugars are not equivalent sources of energy. They do very different things inside of your cells and inside of your body because it's a collective cellular activity that makes your body. So it turns out that when you need energy efficiently produced, and when do you need energy efficient? When you're doing complicated things, right? Well, what are the complicated things that we as living creatures do? We have a nervous system. We have muscles. We have all of these pumps that pump sodium and potassium and chlorine so that we have non-random distributions of everything. We are highly organized structures, and we're highly organized structures of a certain type. We're called flow-dependent structures. And that goes by a few names, also spatio-temporal structures. In other words, structures in time and space. So, you know, think about it. Your heart contracts with regularity. You're breathing with regularity. We have menstrual cycles so that everything on all different scales in living system has to do with cycles. Daylight cycles is the main one that entrains all the other cycles, hence the importance of sleeping properly and sufficiently and sleeping in the night and not in the day, et cetera, for optimum health, okay? We'll get to, we'll get to that one, the Arcadian cycle. Yeah. So where I'm going with all of this is that Think of our society, because everything is really a kind of an echo of everything else. If you think of our society, you couldn't have a very complicated society if the only energy source was cow dung, right? It would be a pretty shitty society. But in order to have an efficient society, ideally you want, to, you want to have an energy source that's not going to kill you. So on the one hand, nuclear energy is highly efficient but it's also extremely dangerous. Well, it turns out that in our cells, we have nuclear reactors, the equivalent, because again, radiation from a reactor will split water and make free radicals. And we wind up making those same free radicals as we process our food, 
as we catabolically break down carbohydrates in particular, because the carbohydrates are like uranium. They feed the nuclear reactor, right? And that allows all of these complicated functions to optimally occur. But because it turns out that the method of producing energy efficiently in the mitochondria, it's known as the electron transport system, uh, it can also leak. You know, if you force too much in and you don't use it, uh, think of a hose with like tin holes in it. You know, if you, if you had the outlet closed and you turn on the water, all those little tin holes are going to leak. And depending on how much water comes in and how much you let out, you'll get more or less leakage, right? Well, that's the same thing that happens in your mitochondria, but instead of leaking water, it leaks free radicals. So what are free radicals? They're chemicals that have unpaired electrons, and that becomes significant because electrons like to exist in pairs. They don't, if you have a single one, it's very reactive looking for a partner. So free radicals are very reactive looking for a partner because they have unpaired electrons. It changes your exactly. blood chemistry. Pardon me? Right? Changes your blood chemistry, right? They change everything. You see, a, a powerful free radical, like a hydroxyl radical, is so powerful that the first thing it hits by diffusion, no matter what it is, is going to react. So that includes your DNA, your proteins, your sugars, your fats. All of the pieces of your cells will react with these free radicals. So you don't want to make too many of them because obviously it's going to be a problem. But the thing that's important to understand is that we also need these free radicals because they turn out to be, again, what I'm telling you is my perspective of reality, which does not agree with the rest of the world who doesn't, who do not understand how life began, who do not understand how evolution occurs, who do not understand a meaning of what is health from the perspective of underlying physics. You see, I can start in the beginning and go to the end, and they start in the middle and make believe they understand the end because they think they understand the end, even though they don't know the beginning. I mean, how ridiculous is that, right? (laughs) So anyway, where am I going with all of this? It turns out that carbohydrate metabolism fuels efficient biochemical needs like the electron transport, I mean, like your nerves and your muscle contraction and your hormone production, you know, your insulin production, all of these things uh, like to use energy efficiently. But because they make free radicals, the system monitors what's going on by having other proteins, for example, that will see a damage in the DNA. These are the repair systems that I talked about. And then they'll chop out the damage and fix it or a, a quenching agent, you know, an antioxidant like your vitamin C will bind to a free radical so it can no longer screw up your DNA, for example, okay? So what we want to always be able to do is have a balance of healthy free radical production because that's, that's what coordinates everything. And that's where the endocannabinoid system comes in, right? Doctor? We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. You got to, right. you got to see the whole buildup because it's an incredible, incredible right. story. <laughs> and when you, when, we, when you understand the cannabinoid system from this perspective, 
you'll know more than all of the experts out there who have their heads up their butts and don't understand shit. <laughs> right. So, so where we're going with this is we've just destroyed, well, we've partially destroyed. We said that we have a nuclear reactor in ourselves, the electron transport system that makes energy efficiently and that it makes free radicals and the free radicals will damage things and other things will sense those damages and then tell the cell, make fewer free radicals. And the way it does that with the sugar burning is it turns on a special process called aerobic glycolysis. You know, most people are familiar with uh, fermentation. You know, you're going to make your beer, right? You take your carbohydrates and you partially break it down and you make ethanol. If, you have, if you're a yeast, who can do that? We, we don't do that as, as humans, as mammals. We don't make ethanol out of sugar. But what we do make is we make lactic acid. And what happens is when the electron transport system is making too many free radicals, the system understands that and it slows it down and turns on an inefficient but safe way to make energy. And that's this aerobic glycolysis. This was discovered back in 1928 by Otto Warburg. It's also called the Warburg effect, and Otto got the Nobel Prize for this. What he did was he took a bunch of tumors and examined them and found that they like sugar and they make acid. You know, when people today always tell you, oh, yeah, cancers like sugar and acid. Well, they, they like sugar because they need more carbs than they would if they were burning energy efficiently. You know, if you got, if you car, if you got a Tesla versus, you know, an old Cadillac, you got a big difference in fuel economy, right? So, so that's what we're dealing with here is basically fuel economy, but they're balancing the efficient dangerous with the inefficient safe when you're dealing with sugar breakdown, carbohydrate metabolism, all right? So those go back and forth to try and keep you safe. But if the situation is too screwed up for various reasons, you're eating too much poison, you're eating too many carbohydrates, you know, uh, you're exposing yourself to too much sunlight, radiation, chemotherapy, all of these things will screw up that flow and increase the free radical production and turn on the aerobic glycolysis. And if all of that still fails to provide a safe level of free radical production that can be dealt with so that the cell can maintain its organization and its flow. Because again, remember every living thing is a flow dependent structure. If you stop eating, stop breathing, stop shitting, stop pissing, stop sweating, you will die. Because you need the flow. That's what keeps you organized and functional, okay? So when a cell is screwing itself up by too much communication with the environment, meaning the food that's coming into it and the consequences of that for a particular cell, then what it has to do is say, I'm really screwed up now. I can't talk to anybody anymore. I'm not going to deal with anything outside of myself. So I'm going to turn in and I'm going to look for my damages and I'm going to try to recycle my pieces so that I can better survive. This is what happens when cells turn on fat burning. It's called also goes by the uh, you know official term autophagy, auto self-eating, all right? So here, what I'm telling you now is we have two big categories of how cells generate energy. They do it inefficiently 
by fat burning, but safely. And when they're doing that, they actually recycle damaged cellular pieces. How did the cellular pieces get damaged? When you were burning sugar and making the free radicals. So all of these phenomena are happening within cells in this, you know, if you've ever taken LSD or psychedelic, think of that flow, how all of this beautiful, creative, flowing harmony. That's what is happening on a biochemical level. Everything is moving in a harmonious fashion, but unfortunately, it not, may, may not be harmonious from a health perspective. You see, if you're making too many free radicals, Free radicals are the basis of aging and all age-related illnesses. And the way they do it is not because we have accumulated damages in a, you know, in a standard sense. No, it's because the damages that we're accumulating disrupt the harmony of the flow so that the flow no longer is self-sustaining and functionally interacting with its environment to promote the sustaining of the life force. That all makes sense. It starts well, it's mostly diet, dietary intake is the hugest thing on that. You Ooh, very you've talked so. about that, Doctor Bob. That very yeah, much Monsanto, so. Monsanto and the poisoning of us. What what they put into our supply? The the the, the, the backwards looking people have put all these things in our supply, and that's what they do is try and tear down the constructive building forward. Well, that's because they're driven by money instead of health. Right. That's the whole problem exactly. with what's going on in the world right now. See, we needed drive to create things. And we've created enough things that wouldn't it be nice if everybody, especially every doctor, had an understanding of how life works? Wouldn't it be nice if we as humans understood how we worked so that we could live in a fashion that would promote our health and by doing that, the health of our community, our family, our communities, our nation, and the planet. Everything needs to be in a harmonious, health-promoting way, whereas we've become so imbalanced by greed and, you know, the I, me, me, mine story that we are destroying the planet. And, and this goes back again. Let me give you a very simple analogy of what I'm trying to convey. Think of building a city. Imagine if in your construction you never cleaned up the waste and you never repaired anything that you built. What's going to happen? It's not, you're not going to have a successful society. That's a no-brainer, right? Well, that's what we do with our food because we eat too many carbohydrates. We eat too much poison. It disrupts the flow, and then we turn on fat burning to try and protect us. But because we're so stupid, we don't know how to use that properly. And that's why right now there's such a uh, popular trend with ketogenic diets. Well, what is a ketogenic diet? It's a diet that turns on fat burning. And why is it successful? Because look at the illnesses that we're suffering from, heart disease, cognitive dysfunction, diabetes, arthritis. Every single one of those is caused by excess free radicals that can be drastically helped by producing fewer free radicals while at the same time actually turning on recycling of your damaged pieces. It allows you to fix yourself. <laughs> and You're getting point, into the endocannabinoid system. We're, we're getting, we're really close now. All right, if you got everything right. I've said so far, <laughs> now we're up to cannabinoid system. 
So the miracle of the cannabinoid <laughs> system, see, the, the cannabinoid system existed in the always when there's life from the perspective of this balance between doing things and fixing things. And the more we evolved and became more complex, the more we needed more efficient energy to do more things, right? That makes simple sense, okay? Well, life started with prokaryotic cells, meaning basically bacteria. And the first life forms were able to take sunlight, extract energy, and make hydrocarbons, life, okay? And after that happened for a billion years, you had a billion years of dead bodies accumulating from all of these microbes, the hydrocarbons, not, you know, body bodies, but hydrocarbons, bodies as well in some cases, but, you know, hydrocarbons is the critical thing. We made hydrocarbons in an atmosphere that did not have oxygen. And at the same time, because of the photosynthesis of these things, we made oxygen. So now we had something new. We had the ability to burn the hydrocarbons with the oxygen. That allowed and pushed evolution to a higher level of complexity. That generated what's called eukaryotic cells. Eukaryotic means true chromosome. Those are the kinds of cells we are, as opposed to the bacteria that were prokaryotic before a real chromosome, okay? But in both cases, you still had within the cell a balance between creating damages and recycling damages and fixing damages, okay? So what then happened was we had the first single cell eukaryotic cells, protozoa. And actually, it's been identified that anandamide, which is one of our endocannabinoids, is in protozoa. But what the protozoa did not have were cannabinoid receptors. And we'll get there in a second. So what happened was Flowing energy, as I've said, has creative nature. Flowing energy is God. Generalized open system dynamics, G-O-D, flowing energy. And as it generates more and more complexity, cells started to aggregate with one another. And, you know, once you had a ball of cells, you had cells on the outside, you had cells on the inside. Well, they had different characteristics. You had the beginnings of differentiation. You had the beginnings of, of, of a nervous system. What does a nervous system do? It monitors information exchange with the environment. And, and what does is, what is your uh, immune system do? It monitors mass, the food you eat, the insect that bites you. It monitors mass that comes into the system. You are a system, a collection of molecules, okay? <laughs> So what happens next is we start to get differentiated processes. What I'm, where I'm going with this is that flowing energy pushes evolution. It pushes change. And it doesn't do it in a random fashion, as people believe. It does it in a very – it does that, but that's only a little part of what's really going on. What it does is it creates the change that is needed for survival in the future. And I'll, I can, I'll explain that a little later. Uh, the key Hang on, uh, right. Doctor, we have feedback on the line. Somebody, if you could mute your phone, star, star, is it star 16? That sounds better. Thank you. Go ahead, Doctor. Sorry. Right, yeah, it's star I, six. I was muted. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear any of that. So, so. 
Um, anyway, where was I going? Now you see, but my flow gets broken. I lose where I was, and I have no short term memory. I, as you I know, very by sorry, me. Doctor Carl. <laughs> do you remember what he said? <laughs> anyway, we're talking about fat burning versus show. We're talking about evolution, right? So, yep, yep. what happened was energy pushes change. Energy creates a more complex biological society. All right, just the way our society requires more and more energy. The same is true with us, you know, within us. So what happened was the uh, ver- the invertebrates, you know, the worms, the mollusks, things like that that existed, they had no backbone. They are was increasing complexity. We saw evolution happen, yes, but they could only go so far unless they could get a new, more efficient form of energy. And what happened was the vertebrates evolved from the invertebrates. Vertebrates meaning they have a vertebral column, they have a spine, okay? And along with that, a whole new pattern of differentiation when the egg and the sperm came together, a whole new way of unfolding life occurred. And for the first time in living history, we now had the CB1 receptor, the one that gets us high. And what does it do? It regulates the electron transport system, the dangerous form of making energy efficiently by regulating calcium channels. So what it, what it effectively does is it fine tunes the electron transport system so that the cells can get more energy in a safer way because they fine tune the production without making too many free radicals. So that allows for the evolution of the brain the human brain would not be here if it was not for its ability to get high and the CB1 receptor to regulate the electron transport system to support the incredible complexity of look at the highest form that we know of the human brain. And what you see when you go from the simple vertebrates that first evolved to the more complex ending with humans is you see that there's always more and more CB1 receptors in the more evolutionarily advanced areas of the brain, and that, in fact, our endocannabinoid receptor system is the number one receptor system in the brain, and we don't talk about it in medical school. Duh! Oh, my God. you got to be kidding me. Isn't that wild? (laughs) So, you see, it's so fundamental when you understand the energy flow perspective, you see? And what's happening within, you know, think of the brain. You know, everybody knows head injury, for example, is so easy to happen. Why is that? Because the cells are all in the electron transport mode so they can make energy efficiently so you could power the complexity of the brain. If you look at something that's not quite as complex as the brain, look at the heart, for example. The heart gets 60% of its energy burning fat because then it's not going to make too many free radicals and age. It'll just keep pumping away, hopefully, all right? So now evolution is moving towards greater and greater complexity, but if you impair the flow at all, it's going to spill out free radicals. So as there's more complexity, there's more free radicals. Evolution needed a new way of dealing with the damages that were being created by the new way of making energy efficiently. So what happened after a couple of million years? 
CB2 receptor evolves. And what does the CB2 receptor do? It turns on fat burning. Yeah, you see, now we have the cannabinoid system controlling our energy flow. And if we do it wisely, it'll control it in a way that we will not make too many free radicals, but we'll, it's, it's basically an anti-aging drug. Cannabis is, and it's, we shouldn't call it a drug at all. It's an essential nutrient for optimizing human health. Every illness that occurs is caused ultimately by free radicals being produced in excess. And why is that? Because the CB1 and the CB2 activities we're not properly turned on, and we're not properly in balance. Pretty cool, huh? Oh, my God. This is awesome, Dr. Bob. Wow. <laughs> it sounded like I, I can actually understand it, the way you describe it. <laughs> well, good. Hopefully you're recording this on poster somewhere. No, this is being recorded. For God's sake, absolutely. This is going to be a keeper. Uh, just FYI, everyone, uh, uh, Carl is still on with us, but we had to mute him because the feedback was coming from his phone. But Carl, if you need to chime in, just star six your phone or just take yourself off the speaker and, and, and we'll do it that way. But it, the feedback was coming from your phone, Carl. Sorry. No, no. So actually now that, that's very good that you brought up Carl because it's <laughs> my perspective. I'm what I call an evolutionist. I believe in evolution. I believe God's most beautiful work is evolution. That's how life was created. That's how life is always undergoing changes. And it's always occurred in the past. We've had increased cannabinoid activity as we've evolved to a higher level. I'll give you a little side piece here. That's quite beautiful. So, you know, psychoactive cannabinoids are in mother's milk. So Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yep. First thing a mother does is she gets the baby stoned, makes them peaceful, happy, protects the brain because it's breathing oxygen, makes it quiet. You know, look at the face on a, on a nurse baby. They got big fat cheeks and they're happy. Oh, they're high. <laughs> they're high. Of course. They're, they're mellow. And yeah. they go to sleep, you see? So basically what that tells us is that female mammals are cannabinoid delivery vessels. So I I used to always make the joke when we had a more pronounced form of idiot prohibition. I would say we should simply, you know, arrest women for giving psychoactive cannabinoids to babies. But (laughs) also, we should should just arrest all women because they're all walking around with paraphernalia. (laughs) It's built in. So anyway, back on, back to back to reality here. Um, as an evolutionist, I believe that evolution is powered and driven by the flowing energy, but it's actually not occurring randomly. And, and I'll take a minute now and explain some really crazy shit about sure. chemotherapy and how that actually causes drug resistance it creates evolution within our cancer cells <laughs> the wrong kind it makes them drug resistant so listen to this insane story i've already given you a lot of info about dna how much we have and how sensitive it is to change <laughs> so 
we want to always be protecting that. And as I said, the cells have these two major modes that they exist in. They could be burning carbohydrates, balancing back and forth between the electron transport system, aerobic glycolysis, as well as the breakdown of glutamine, you know, which comes from one of our amino acids. It's actually the most abundant amino acid. In any event, uh, so we have that, those feeding the efficient energy portion of the cell when it's doing differentiated functions. That's what it's got things like growth factor receptors on the cell, you know, the HER2 receptors on the cell, the estrogen receptors, the progesterone receptors. Those are all chemical communicators that's telling the cell how to behave when it's doing things properly in that differentiated mode. But all of those things go away when the cell turns inward because it's dealing with its own life or death now, um, and meaning it turns on fat burning. So let me give you another example of how cellular homeostasis occurs. As I've told you, you know, one damage could in theory kill us. And we've got these two yards of DNA in the cell that's too small to even see. And it's got to unwind all of that DNA if it's going to make another cell. It's got to replicate the DNA. The cell has various cycles when it does different things in terms of preparing to make another cell or in terms of creating the activity needed. You know, muscle cells have certain requirements and nerves. So cells are doing those kinds of things. <coughs> uh, where was I going? Uh-oh. <laughs> um, 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 um. You were talking about the cells making, doing different yeah, there, things. I know. I, I found myself again. So because of, the, because of the danger to a cell of being unwrapped and naked, as we call it, normally it's wrapped up very tightly and it's protected by proteins, histones, all right? Uh, but when it's unwrapped, especially if it's replicating its DNA or if it's opening up pieces of its DNA for transcription, you know, say you have a book of instructions, you only open up the page that you need. You don't open up all the pages at the same time. That's the same with the DNA. The pages that are closed, you can't read. The pages that are open, you can read them, but you can spill shit on them, right? Well, the same thing. People do that with the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we have to do, it turns out that um, when cells turn on fat burning, the whole architecture of the cell, of the, of the chromosome changes, and the sugar burning genes get wrapped up and other genes that are contributing to survival are expressed. But they're expressed under conditions where there's a free radical imbalance if you have a troubled cell. And it turns out that cells, when they are replicating their DNA, they actually turn off the electron transport system so they won't make too many damages that can then be amplified and kill the cell. So our cells are smart enough that they turn on aerobic glycolysis when they're in what's called S phase, which is when they're replicating their DNA, and that prevents them from amplifying perturbations that occur for many different things, damage in the DNA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all right? There's many ways that the flow gets perturbed. You know, you throw it a pebble in the stream and the flow's gotta go around the pebble. Well, that's a perturbation, and the cell senses all of that. When you get too many of them, you disrupt the organization of the cell, it overloads with free radicals, and the cell dies via what's called apoptosis. 
well, that's great if you want your cancer cells to die. But instead, what they can do is they can turn on fat burning, and then they become quiet and senescent, and they hang out and don't do anything, hopefully ever. But what they can do is become your recurring cancer. So let's look at let's uh, go back a second here. What I'm trying to convey is a very novel thought that just I just figured out really a few weeks ago. And that is when a cell is functioning properly and it's doing what it's supposed to do and it's carrying out its differentiated functions. Our brain is working, we're running, our muscles, are, you know, everything is good and we're in balance and we're healthy. That's one scenario. But suppose you treat a, let's, let's go back a second. Everybody has heard that a tumor has many, many different mutations in it, correct? How did that happen? What I'm trying to say is that those mutations are created by chemo and radiation. They're also created by the more modern biological methods that are being used, immunological methods. All of the methods that are being used in chemotherapy work on the differentiated sugar-burning mode of a cell's existence. Think of a, think of a map of a, of a city. And you've got all of these different roads and highways and little roads, et cetera. Well, you're on one side of the city with all the food and the fuel, and everybody needs it on the other side of the city. Well, you know, you get in your car and you get on a highway. Well, the highway is blocked. You get off the highway, you get on another road. That's blocked. You get off and you go on another road. That's exactly what modern chemotherapy is doing. They're blocking one road, and the cancer cell says, fuck you, I'll take this road. Oh, we'll block that road. They, oh, fuck you, we'll take this road. This is how you generate... They jack up your mitochondria. They jack up your mitochondria. They jack right? up the whole flow of your biochemistry. Right. The whole your mitochondria is how everything works. But the mitochondria is the energy powerhouse that's getting... Right. And the electron transport system both happen in the mitochondria. The aerobic glycolysis happens everywhere else in the cell, throughout the whole cell. So you have a large capacity to make energy safe but inefficient as opposed to the mitochondria where you make it really efficient and organized but dangerously. So it's only good when you're doing everything right. And if you're force-feeding yourself the carbohydrates all the time, all you're doing is promoting aging and all age-related illnesses. And what cannabis is an essential nutrient for optimizing health, human health, and it does that by reducing the free radical production, by fine-tuning the electron transport system with CB1, or turning that off and turning on fat burning so you get some real resurrection via the CB2 receptor. And when everything is... Damn, that's what I wanted to say. Pardon me? Damn, that's what I wanted to say. That was a key phrase right there. <laughs> no, that, that last... That last stretch of what the last two sentences you said is what I've garnered out of this whole thing in the last two years of myself studying is that we we become free radical burners because of the diet that we do and every exactly. every other thing that tears us down. Uh, you're exactly right. We promote we promote the efficient energy mode to an excess which means it spits yeah. out free radicals that damage everything, and they cause all of the illnesses, all of them. <laughs> and what's so crazy, listen to some of this nonsense here. So 
what happens, here we have a tuber cell. We've got millions and millions of cells, and they're all in different phases of the cell cycle. Some of them are in what's called S phase and replicating their DNA, and they have their electron transport system turned off. So we have a distribution of cells in all of the aspects of the cell cycle. Now you come in with chemo or radiation, and you're going to kill all of the cells that will amplify the damages that you're making. But which are the cells that are not going to amplify your damages? The ones that are in aerobic glycolysis that have turned off their electron transport system to protect their DNA. Now, what are most of the mutations that are characteristic of cancer cells? The making of these energy and the receptors and all of these things that constitute that efficient energy flow that you're selecting for the damages. You're selecting, you're creating the mutations that are characteristic of cancers by the treatment. And everything you see, if you take, let's go, how, how does cannabis cure cancer? Let's look at that now. If you have a virgin cancer, and by a virgin cancer, I don't mean a cancer in a virgin, I mean a cancer cell that has not been treated with chemo or radiation, okay? You have a virgin, untouched cancer cell. It's gonna be burning sugar, most likely, and it's most likely going to be using a combination of aerobic glycolysis for burning glucose, as well as glutaminolysis to break down some glutamine. Those are gonna be two safe sources that a cancer cell uses so that it doesn't overload and kill itself with free radicals. All right. So when you take a cancer cell that's in those carbohydrate utilizing modes and you overload it with a ton of THC, that's going to turn on the CB2 receptor and that's going to turn off the electron transport system. It's going to turn off aerobic glycolysis. It's going to turn off glutaminolysis and you're going to cure the cancer because that cell's going to die. In other words, a, a, most cancer cells apoptosis. Pardon me? Apoptosis, right? Apoptosis, yes. As yeah. long as you have a, a virgin cancer cell committed to burning sugar and you rapidly force it to burn fat, it'll die. And that's how CB1, how CB2 works. Kill cancer. Now, if you look historically, at the various herbal medicines that have been used. I don't care if you're talking about Chinese medicine, Sanskrit medicine, Indian medicine, no matter where you look, the herbs that have been used to treat cancer, to treat diabetes, to treat uh, dementia, every single one of them turns on fat burning or at very least turns off sugar burning. The cannabis is a master herb. Because, see, your endocannabinoid system regulates everything in your body from conception until death. So your immune system, digestive, cardiovascular, skin, bones, everything in you from conception until death is kept in balance by your cannabinoid system. And we've outlawed the most nutritious, health-giving plant on the planet. All those others are good accessories, but this is the master plan because we have an endocannabinoid system. Right. Pretty wild, huh? Doctor, uh, 
this this testimony is is just a, a, amazing. We've covered an hour now, and I don't want to go quite into questions, but I do want you to, uh, as much as possible, try to put a bow tie at the end of this hour, and then we'll open it up for comments and questions. Okay? Because uh, well, the uh, you know, I, I think the bow tie really is that cannabis is not a drug; it's an essential nutrient. And every illness that it helps is nothing more than a nutritional deficiency in cannabinoids. No government on the plant, planet has the right to tell us how much food we can grow, what food we can grow in our garden. It's fundamentally against all of the human rights that every member of the UN has signed on to. And I think the key concept that is what we all have to fight for is our fundamental right for metabolic freedom. Because we are our metabolism. Our metabolism is us. And we have a fundamental right to modify our metabolism because that is our fundamental freedom. No, we don't want freedom. We don't want freedom, free D-U-M-B. We want freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Energy, flowing, freedom. Um, you got it. Man. Health. The health is distance from equilibrium. The return to equilibrium is is the phase change. The far from equilibrium phase change we call death. Life naturally emerged before there was life because there was complexity from the flowing energy from the sunlight. And eventually the complexity in the test tube planet Earth got high enough that the flowing energy needed a new solution. What was that solution? Life. And the same thing happens with every new species. That's a far from equilibrium phase change, creating a rearrangement of the chemistry set. We are nothing. Look at the planet as one big chemical reaction. We are little flow-dependent reactions within there. We have the human species as one collective flowing biochemistry and every other species. We shouldn't look at ourselves as a population of individuals. We should look at ourselves as a collection of flow-dependent structures that constitute our species. We're magnets and a bigger magnet. We are, we are adaptive structures. We are selected for our ability to a changing environment. We change the environment as the environment changes us, as we change the environment back and forth ad infinitum. But in order to continue to survive, we have to change our DNA so that we're adapted to the changes we're creating. And that's what's happening right now with all of our pollution. The blips, the backward-looking cannabinoid-deficient people are going to die off more quickly than those consuming cannabis because they're protecting themselves. And we Amen. Let's kill them. Where we're going to evolve from homo sapiens to what I call cannabis sapiens. And I, I have them that website too. with all my science on it. It's canna-sapiens.com. I've got tons of stuff there for anybody interested, you know, on all yeah, the links. Well, the, the link is in the newsletter, guys. The link is in our newsletter. Dr. Bob, I, <laughs> I, just a stunning thought came to me. That's my reaction to your bow tie. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Carl can chime in here too. It sounds like what you're talking about is life is like a creative orchestra of musical energy that flows, that's curious, that's creative, that's animated. And what you're talking about, each instrument in this orchestra has to be tuned properly. 
to emit a, a harmonious sound, synchronous uh, sound that, that connects with every other instrument uh, or piece of music that can play music in the orchestra. And if we do not tune or have this proper cannabinoid connection between all these instruments inside our body with the creative force and, and, and curiosity and an, animation and fun and happiness and flowing, then we're going to have a, a, a completely discordant output that will just keep going down and will destroy itself and us with it. You're exactly it's already right. building. It's already building up, though. It's already building up. It's all a matter of residence. And one of the, one of yes. the things that, that I should inform you guys about, because I'm sure. fortunate enough to know a lot of incredible people. I have a brilliant friend. He's the smartest human being on the planet. And he has created clean energy solutions for our future. So they are now beginning to be implemented. And what we're, what we're about to see happen on the planet Earth is a far from equilibrium phase change in the planet that will lead to a, either a collapse or a higher level of complexity. And having the ability to have clean energy can now drive us. We can now create organic food in an energetically sound way in greenhouses, we're going to be growing pot. We have a tremendous project going where we're going to be integrating veterans around the world in clean energy health centers, cannabis-based health centers. Hempcrete homes, they're, they're, uh, hempcrete homes, solar rotation dynamics. There are so many free energy things that are right on the cusp, and many of the money people are finally sticking their, their chest out and getting into these things. It's all Dr. Happening. Bob, do, do I have to? Do we have to grow a beard to participate? <laughs> I don't have one. Quit it, Fred. <laughs> no, I'm just joking with Carl. Well, let's. Uh, I real figured quick, that. We're going we're we're to open it up. I've known Fred a long time. Yeah. Anybody out comment or a question uh, for Dr. Bob? It's been a great hour, Dr. Bob. But just I know a couple people are out there. Uh, they want to uh, ask a question or pose a comment. Anybody out there real quick? Yeah, Steve. Uh, Dr. Bob, uh, uh, one kind of question for you is, uh, if the CB2 shuts down the glycolysis, uh, where do you get the munchies? The munchies come from the CB1. If you go on a ketogenic diet or if you take high doses of cannabis, for example, I take at least 100 milligrams a day of THC, sometimes 500, depending on my health situation. I also take usually at least 150 or so milligrams of, of CBD every day. We haven't talked about CBD. That's a whole other story. It, it plays right. just in a very interesting way. Um, but when right. you take enough of that stuff, you like I don't get high smoking a joint at all. I, you know, I smoke just because... Some weed tastes so good and smells so good, you got to do it, you know. But I'm an eater. I, I eat the first thing in the morning, and I make sure that I'm I'm high high day and night with eating. It's a health supplement. The whole plant is a health supplement. That's what people don't not, do not understand. It's a health supplement. Well, there's so many good plants out there that help us, you know, and they all fit under this paradigm. Are they turning on fat burning or are they turning on sugar burning? If they turn on sugar burning, they're not good for you. If they turn on fat burning, they are health promoting. Awesome. Blueberries awesome. turn on fat burning. Right. It turns right. on fat burning. 
you know, uh, curcumin turns on fat burning. Everywhere you look, it's the same story. Olive oil, everywhere you look, the things that are good for us turn on fat burning. Even if you look at, this is one of the puzzles I had in my mind. You know, why is it that eating fruits are good for you when they're so sweet? Well, it, I just a couple of months ago realized that when you look at the components in a fruit, they sure they have all of that sugar there. Why do they have that sugar? Because they didn't burn it. Why didn't they burn it? Because they have chemicals that turn off sugar burning. So when you eat these fruits, even though you're taking in the sugar, you know, like blueberries have berabine and all of these things have compounds. There's ginger oil. All of these things have chocolate. They all have things that will turn on fat burning. Holy crap. Chocolate, blueberries. Great. <laughs> I live off I live off heavy cream, seeds, nuts, chocolate, ice cream. You know, but instead of making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with two big pieces of bread, I'll have like seed seed laden bread, one piece with peanut butter and jelly on the one piece instead of having two pieces. You know, when I have bread and butter, I load it up with tons of butter because I want more fat and less carbohydrates. The fucking idiots in the government have killed us with their stupid pyramid and the fat-free food. Guess what? When you have clogged arteries in your heart and in your brain, guess where that fat came from? Monsanto. Carbohydrates that you get. <laughs> right. Because the unsaturated fats that are good for you turn on fat burning. It's the oh. sugar that turns makes the makes the saturated fat right. kill you. Hey, Dr. Bob, that's the whole BLP clan. They've been doing the whole thing, and they've been trying to destroy everybody that's looking forward. Yeah, but you know, they're, oh. stupid. they're part of the problem. They're killing themselves. That's why okay, the revolution... Okay, a couple more questions or comments. A couple more questions. A, We're going to wrap this up. I now. have a question. I have a question. Yes. This is Betty. Uh... I know it's not tonight's subject, but uh, could you just briefly uh, uh, explain something to me or see if this is right? Uh, hemp oil, CBD oil, <laughs> and seizures. Uh, is that related to any help with the seizure problems? Absolutely, because... First of all, everything, no matter what you're talking about, only happens because flowing energy makes it happen, period. All right? So when a person has seizures, some of the harmonies of the instruments that were being discussed are out of tune with respect to one another, and that's what leads to the seizures, all right? So you're having an excess stimulation of the wrong pathways. Well, the CBD happens to, on the one hand, turn off the CB1 receptor, it turns down the CB1 receptor, which means you're going to turn down the production of free radicals from the electron transport system. Oh, and you're going okay. to turn on the fat burning indirectly because you're turning off the CB1. That's, that will mean that all the endocannabinoids now will be available to the CB2 receptors, which will turn on the fat burning. Plus, there are a number of other receptors that the CBD directly interacts with that are all in line with the paradigm I'm stating because of how they regulate, for example, TVRP channels, which allow calcium to come in. Calcium is always an activator. So it makes complete cell sense that you're changing the oscillations within the cells and between the cells 
and that's what what eliminates the seizures. Now that and and the keto diet would fall well into all of that. Keto diets help everyone. There's a lot of studies that have been done. Uh, in general, they're beneficial. But when you you know you'll read you'll read things that will say contrary or that it didn't work for this, that, or the other thing. That's because they don't understand what they're doing. They don't design their experiments properly. They don't know. The bottom line is our scientific community is fake science. It's all bullshit. They don't understand. (laughs) Well, they don't understand that evolution is directed by the flowing energy to create the solutions for survival. You know, it's essentially God makes the necessary changes because God is the flowing energy. If you know, you don't have to put it in a religious sense. It's just basic science. And if religion is part of how you look to me, the science is the religion. And that's what Carl and I are going to have some fun in court with this. Because if you can have religious rights based on faith, why can't you have religious rights based on facts? <laughs> right, based on knowledge. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, my faith is scientific facts have meaning. Oh, I'm, trust me, I'm going to put Jesus on the stand on this. That's how this is working. There, there's a second phase of this, and, and I got into the, uh, the, how the language works. I mean, there's, there's a thing with Messiah and Jesus, and there's a whole breakdown that has been screwed upon society about how basically the endocannabinoid system runs everything, and that's what the Messiah was about. Well, the, the, the Messiah means the anointed one, doesn't it? Yes. Cannabosum so was the original word. Well, cannabosum was the holy anointing oil. So no matter how you look at it, you know, from a conventional sense or from the, a more modern science-based perspective of the ancient religions, they all say the same thing. Everybody must get stoned. <laughs> <laughs> Evie's already been out there doing it. (laughs) Carl, your your closing statement, Carl, was at 9-11 Central Time, okay? (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Anybody else? One last one, and then we're going to close this call. This show has been wonderful, Dr. Bob. A great glimmer, a great focused uh, expose for everyone to get their teeth into. Anybody else? One final one. I would, has, love, I would love to have him back to uh, have uh, an hour about hemp oil. Okay. We, we can always do another. Um, you know, that's what I do. I babble my we can work on crazy that. version of reality for those who want to hear it and those who want Guys, to make themselves help. Everyone healthy. on this call, please. Yeah, I'm not going to use I'm not going to be able to use any of this in court. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, what were you saying, Fred? Uh, yeah, we want to have everyone who's listening tonight, please share a link with at least one or two of your family, friends, neighbors, uh, because this needs to spread more, okay? Carl's case is coming up. Dr. Bob's research, his background is very credible. He, he described something that everyone, you don't have to be an expert to listen to what he just said tonight to get a, a more uh, comfortable feeling for this flow of energy dynamic that makes for healthy life and living uh, in this universe. Amen. Well, Amen. Let me, let me yeah. just add, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm 71 years old now, and most okay. people think I'm in my 50s. 
I've been using cannabis since I was 16. It's the only wow. thing that made me self-aware enough to survive college because I'm very ADD and I'm an idiot. But I got my degree. I've been successful. I've got patents. I've got, you know, publications. But I woke up and realized that I no longer want to be part of the fake science once I realized how fake it was. So, oh, Dr. Bob, what's your birthday, Dr. Bob? Uh, ironically, the day of infamy, 12-7-47. Oh, okay, because I'm, <laughs> I'm born on February 7th. And I'm 71, too. I was born on February 7th, uh, 48. Uh, I'm 47. <laughs> you're four, oh, you're 47. Oh. But, you're, but you're 40, you're 31. I mean, you're 71 also. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be 72 in December. Uh-huh. So but we're I, like I, about a month and a half apart in age. <laughs> I so many things. You guys are old. Yeah. I quit the university. I quit cannabis science, the public company, when I had heart failure in, in 2015. And I've reversed that. I've reversed all of the uh, problems I've had with my feet, neuralgia. You know, I basically had like MS. And I, oh, I've gotten yeah. rid of all of that. You can reverse things. That's the important thing to understand is that if you redirect the flows correctly, you right. can fix things. That's what I want to take to court. All right, yes, Dr. Bob. Right. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Take care, guys. All right. God, God, the creator. Thank you, Dr. Bob. Thank you, Carl, for coming back and bringing Dr. Bob. Everyone, no problem. There's a link for this audio clip. And God bless uh, health and liberty and freedom for our future. Thanks, thanks, Dr. Bob. Appreciate and, you know, go again, look at cannabis, uh, catasapiens, C-A-N-N-A-sapiens.com. And please yeah, go, to, go to that link. Please share that link as far and wide. And give me weed or give me death. Okay. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. No, no freedom. No freedom, not freedom. What a Bye, Fred. <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.